0: From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles.
1: It's the Craig Needles Podcast, and it's the Friday Roundtable here at ClassicRock981.com where you find our podcast, as well as LondonNewsToday.ca on your very favorite podcast app, too. And to join us for the Roundtable this week, we have uh, Political Insider Nathan Francian Studio, Steve Holland, the president of QP Local 101, and... Uh, Green Party candidate uh, Carol Dick is here as well. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today.
2: Good afternoon, yeah. sir. Thanks, Thanks for having Greg. us.
1: Uh, let's get uh, let's get started on the very latest in what's going on at Queens Park, and that would be that uh, since the last time I have had a roundtable. Now this happened at uh, at nine a.m. on a holiday Monday, but nonetheless, this is something that's happened. Steve Clark is no longer the minister of housing. And municipal Affairs here in the province of Ontario. That job is now Paul Calandras. Rob Flack, who is the MPP for Elgin Middlesex London, or rather, excuse me, he, uh, yeah, Elgin Middlesex London, yeah, there we yeah. go. Uh, he, is now the, uh, he is now the associate minister of housing, so that's interesting and neat for him. We'll talk about that in a second, but I'm wondering if Steve Clark being away from this file means that we're going to start to move on as a province here, because we've seen two polls come out that would tell you that Doug Ford is, in this moment, as unpopular as he's ever been since he's become Premier of Ontario. Of course, that doesn't necessarily matter for another three years, but right now, not going great for them. Uh, is Steve Clark being out of there going to be enough to turn
2: the tide here, do you think? I think that, uh, first and foremost, Steve Clark um, has been a pretty positive, all-in-all, housing minister from the moment they were elected in uh, 2018. The Steve the Clark's had a was. pretty great political career. Yeah, fin- absolutely fantastic. And now
1: it's going to be remembered
2: for... Well, we'll see, because I I think that ultimately what we're seeing right now from the provincial government is uh, ministerial responsibility and ministerial accountability. So when there's something like this that comes up and there's an investigation um, or there are some findings in the investigation, I'm going to resign. I'm going to withdraw from the portfolio. He's certainly not entitled, no minister is, to being the minister of a portfolio. Somebody can step into the place and the work of government can continue. Uh, I just wish that kind of accountability happened at all levels of government, um, especially the federal one. So the one thing I'm interested in seeing though is I believe Steve Clark is going to do his best as are some of the staffers that were named in the report to clear their name to the extent that they believe it needs to be cleared, and quite frankly, my prediction—I'll say it today—is I think Steve Clark will eventually find himself back in cabinet uh, at, a, at a future date because it's a pretty yeah. not housing, but yeah. some well, other portfolio. I think he's an exceptional exceptional minister. This is one that um, uh, you know—it's th- going to take some time to uh, work through, and I think he's going to to do it work through in terms of what he says and what his staff has said in terms of clearing their name and what their responsibility in this is. And I think that when that happens, um, we will see uh, where they end up back in government. But I, I think we can expect that. In terms of the Greenbelt uh, itself and this whole uh, uh, context, I mean, I understand some of the frustration with, with the green belt, absolutely. Uh, I will highlight, I love to highlight this, which is true. More land was going into the Greenbelt than was taking, the being taken out of the green belt from the beginning. Uh, again, the the controversy is not about the amount of land or yeah, what the land was. Yeah. To me, I'm not really worried about what... It would have been the process, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: that's, that's what right. I'm worried about. And and who's standing to benefit here and how much are you benefiting here? That's the thing. If we want to edit what the boundaries of the Green Belt are, that's fine with me. It's how we've done it. That,
2: uh, well, we'll see yeah. if uh, it's still fine with a lot of people. Once we go through a process, it's formally determined what lands could be in the Green Belt and what lands can be removed. And uh, we'll see what the we'll see what the perspective is uh, at that point.
1: Carol, does no Steve Clark mean that this thing is uh, potentially in the rearview mirror?
0: Um, I don't think so. Um, I think that people are still going to be talking about this for a while. And obviously, they were trying to make it go away quickly by announcing it early on a Monday morning. But the fact that they're still hoping to push ahead with some of the Green Belt developments and, you know, just say, oh, we're going to change the process and then this is how we're going to do it. There's still going to be a lot of people against it. And that's across the board. That's across parties. Because knocking on doors, um, I I collected a lot of signatures to try to work against some of the highways that were happening in the Green Belt areas. And even um, those who are conservatives who had voted for Doug Ford were against taking away land from the green belt. So um, I think this is still going to be an issue. And I, I think the only way this is really going to become more in the rearview mirror is what's coming up. And that's going to be dealing with teacher contracts and things like that. And that's going right. to be the thing that's going to start overshadowing all this green belt issue, especially if kids aren't going to school. So.
1: And that one's fascinating to me. And I, I, I tweeted this, and we might get to this in a minute, but um, OSSTF just going ahead and they, they have... Uh, sort of a rough agreement here with how this process is going to go with the education ministry. Uh, I think OSSTF was smart enough to realize that uh, they don't have the same type of leverage in a strike situation that ETFO is going to. Because if OSSTF goes on strike, a bunch of 14-year-olds are at home watching The Price Is Right. (laughs) If, If ETFO goes on strike, we're having a different conversation about what that means for people in this province. Uh, Greenbelt, Steve, uh, so we've got some changes as far as who the minister is. We've got some negative, uh, negative polling data for Doug Ford. It's, it's a couple of polls. We'll see how long it lasts. But how, how
3: do you think this moves forward then? Uh, for me, I think that definitely this is not done. I think that this tarnishes things. The other aspect, and, and no one's really talked a lot about it. We kind of touched on it there with regards to potential strikes. But typically, Doug Ford, you know, Creates a big stir in one area, and then all of a sudden slides something else in in another area. And maybe I'm being unfair saying Doug Ford, but again, he's the leader of that you know party, and and I feel that he's the the one that ultimately runs things. So my worry is is that what else is he going to try to slide in in the back door that we're all going to miss because we all got our arms up in air about something else. So that is always my worry with the conservatives and to how they act. Uh, I think that Steve Clark, you know, yes, I agree that he probably will get in somewhere else, but my worry is is that you know, for someone that has had a very exemplary career, I worry that this will definitely taint his legacy and, and, and make him to yeah. be someone that he's not. Because ultimately, I, I still feel, and, and maybe I'm right, wrong, or indifferent, but he's a scapegoat in this. And that there's, you know, there's other people that are way higher up the the lead that kind of pushed on this and tried to, you know, gain, you know, favors for, you know, the developers in other areas. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Steve Clark was the one that ran this show. So it, it, it's a real shame.
1: Well, and, and for Steve Clark, and I think for a lot of other people, uh, what does the RCMP get out of this? Is going to be the big question because, you know, there were obviously some pretty big problems for the McGinty government during the whole gas plant thing. But when I I think McGinty kind of realized the writing was on the wall uh, was when the criminal charges started flying around. And at one point, Dalton McGinty's former chief of staff, David Livingston, went to jail. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone's going to jail here. But that would be, I think, potentially a tipping point for some of the people who are involved in this, if well, that happens. And I don't know if it will, but the RCMP <laughs> is investigating.
2: Uh, yeah, and the RCMP can investigate. And I, quite frankly, don't think it's going to go anywhere. But, I mean, I'll reserve comment uh, until we could see what, how the defendants, I suppose, are going to defend themselves, mm-hmm. if there's any investigation or, or case that, that ends up with this. But, look, fundamentally, the, the, the issue here is that we are bringing as many people into the province of Ontario now, as we were into the country of Canada four and five years ago yes. in its entirety. And we do not have enough places for those people to live and go. We have the land, we have the space, we have the opportunity and ability and talent and skills to build that and get it done in a relatively you know, quick manner. We certainly have the conditions for that type of development over the last decade that are a lot less um, That were a lot. It's a lot tougher to do so nowadays, especially with interest rates. But nonetheless, we have to figure out a place for them to live. And quite frankly, it offends me when the same people who are most um, against this type of development, be it in the greenbelt or other uh, wise are the first people saying that we need to lower standards for people coming into the country and essentially open the doors, coming into the country and the province, essentially open the doors with fewer uh, asterisks. Because what I don't want to see is people immigrating to this country as they are currently doing so and simply not having a place to live or displacing other people that are living in those places. And that's that we can't continue on that road for a number of reasons.
1: Well, let me push back on that a little bit
2: from this perspective.
1: Uh, The idea of, hey, let's look into developing the Green Belt uh, came about August of 2022. We didn't start getting some of those immigration projections from the federal government saying what, you know, this is the number of people we think we're going to be letting into Canada until after that. Mm. So I don't think that the premier's defense of, hey, a whole lot of... People are coming into Ontario, and we've got to really uh, ramp up the housing targets that we already made with our very own housing task force that I appointed everyone to. We've got to ramp up the targets beyond that. I, I don't know if that necessarily fits with me as far as the timing of when we decided to do what we did with the Greenbelt. So, I that's the, and again, I've got no problem with altering the boundaries of the green belt to a certain extent with a with a certain thorough process and things along those lines it's not of course what has happened here even the premier himself would say that so i i come back to the timing here i just don't know if what the immigration targets are meaning well we have to do the green belt right away i don't know if that necessarily links up as far well, as. well in
2: 2019 the we had yeah. about 280,000 people come to canada yes. 2019 pre-pandemic yes last year we had about 500,000 just under 500,000 so it's not about projections it's about understanding what is already happening and ensuring that those people there now the province cannot make their projections until the federal government makes their projections and the federal government has certainly not been um great on this file you have banks like CIBC who are some of the you know and again i'm not defending the big banks but i will say their projections are pretty good and what they're saying is that there are not only do we have these immigration numbers higher than they've ever been to the province of Ontario and Canada by the way there's more people coming to Ontario than any other jurisdiction in North America, including yes. Florida, including Texas. Not only do we have those high numbers, but we are underestimating the number of uh, people in Canada by about one million. These are people with expired visas. With um, you know, there's a number of, of things that we can we could talk about that way. But for the banks and for CIBC and the people that actually move the money and under uh, understand that. There, these numbers we have four we just crossed forty million officially in, in our population. And they're saying we're undercounting that by about two and a half percent or two percent, whatever it is, for mm-hmm. um, for number of people here. So at the end of the day, we have to figure out a place to build. We have not been building, we've not been taking yes. advantage of low interest rates, we've not been taking advantage of an environment that would be conducive to do this, and now we're suffering the consequences and um Frankly, moving to the federal space, this is why we're seeing uh, federal numbers, uh, or big yeah. reason why we're seeing federal numbers yeah. move the way they are.
0: Yeah, And, and this yeah. is
1: something that's on everybody, I think, as far as levels of government
0: yeah. goes. Yeah, well, I just want to say that I, I do keep hearing this argument that keeps, you know, talking about the immigration, and I just think that's a way to take away from the dodgy dealings that happen in the Green Belt. It's just a way to deflect. Yeah, we need more housing. Yes, there are more immigrants coming, and they need houses, but that's not addressing the issue that made this such a huge story and that was Dodgy dealings to get people money. Also, a lot of the houses they looked into that they're building in that area were million-plus-dollar houses with three-door garages. That is not solving any kind of a housing crisis. If we really want to deal with some of our housing problems, we need to be looking into our cities. We have lots of empty houses that are sitting here. We have major problems with Airbnbs that are, you know, a lot of people just buying up multiple houses and new developments and then they're just sitting there as Airbnbs when they should be for new families. And of course, it's jacking up all the prices as well. So you know, to keep talking about immigration, that's just a way to say, oh, but don't look at what we just did over here that was, you know, basically illegal.
2: Well, it, it, We'll we'll have to see if it's illegal. I certainly wasn't in the provincial government doing that, but I can say that the immigration numbers are still relevant. Yeah, and uh, you know I want as many Canadians as possible, be they people being born here and immigrating here. I've got you know kids that I'm coaching in the football team that have got their uh, work, you know whatever their situations are, and I'm going, hey, what's our calendar path to get you a citizenship? How long is it going to take? What do we have to do? You know this is what we want. We want more Canadians, absolutely, but we need to create those conditions to to make them have a positive experience, not just them, but everybody right. that is here. And it's, you know, quite frankly, the same people that are, you know, have a problem with greenbelt development, especially on lands that, you know, in many cases, bipartisan, and we will see, frankly, in a new yeah. process, we will see what the new process uh, uh comes to what comes to fruition in the new process but i do believe a large amount of that land a large amount of the same land that was going to be taken out in this proposal is going to meet those standards and the same people that have a problem with uh, developing on those places of land are the same ones saying not only should we not expand our urban growth boundaries in municipalities, we shouldn't be developing on p- pieces of land. How many times have I brought up 183 King Street, right across from the old safe yeah. injection site? There for ten years, it sat empty, yep. and b- because the council ten years ago decided not to do anything, we you know east of Crumlin Road, we're not. It's not in the growth boundary. You know west of West Elborn, but. You, you can't build west of West Elborn, but you can build in Kamoka on the outsides of City of London. It, it just makes no sense. So, I
1: drew through Ilderton a couple of weeks ago. They have a couple of big subdivisions going up in Ilderton. What's the difference between doing that and doing it within the City of London? Right. As it, far as environmental impact. Right. There, there isn't one. But here's the thing, and, and, Carol's, and I agree with Carol from this perspective. There's two different questions here. One, is the way that the lands that we decided to develop in the Greenbelt, was that done in a proper manner And should that be revisited? Uh, No, it was not done in a proper manner. Yes, it should be revisited. We should have a a, a better process that, you know, quite frankly, doesn't include envelopes being delivered to staffers. And again, there's no money in the envelopes. I want to be clear as far as the Auditor General is concerned, but still envelopes from uh, developers to staffers saying, hey, here's the lands that we think are great. There's that question, which is completely separate from, hey, do we have enough housing? Right. Don't those two have to be two different. Like, because if if, if if we decided to take this land, this land, this land out of the green belt in the more reasonable function, I think that we're probably we're not talking about this the same way that right. we are. But right? we're, so
2: right. uh, We're not we're not building a 40 story tower in the middle no, of Victoria of Park no. of or course. in the middle of a wetland. That's not what's being no, proposed. But, really. but
3: the thing is, is, you know, and again, I appreciate what you're saying, Nathan. and, and 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 I, and I, I love you That's dearly, that. brother, but you know the process <laughs> has been, you know, the talk wasn't what you were saying. Right. They weren't talking necessarily about we need to provide more housing. You know, it was, again, about the process of this and that, it, you know, and again, whether it's illegal or whether right. it's, it's it's not been done in an appropriate way. It wasn't and, done right.
1: Right, right, right. Whether it's illegal or not. I, like the People have it out, benefited it wasn't from
3: right. it that are yeah. Doug Ford's friends by chance. Right. And that's that's the issue. And if we had done this properly, we would not be having this conversation. I,
2: I, have, a, I have no problem discussing the process. I have a problem, as do many, when we use the um, questions about the process to undermine the merits of what was being decided at the time, the merits of the substance of it. So we can't look at a flawed process and whether or not, you know, it was whatever the dealings, however you want to say they were, and then use that to undermine actually using land that perhaps should not be in the green belt, could be better utilized otherwise. They're two separate things. If they're two separate things, then they're two separate things. And then we but, can't but, kind but, of use them to undermine. But, but the reality is, you know,
3: as well as I do in politics. Yeah, they do like they're overlapping. And right. that's the problem is, is that because they overlap. Now you have tarnished the original goal that what it should have been about with the fact that someone has benefited in an unjust way and again, it appears that preferential treatment has been given to certain mm-hmm. people. If it was wide open and it was fair, I, I think you're absolutely correct. There yep. would not have this would have gone through should mm-hmm. have gone through properly. Yeah. And again, you're absolutely correct. Are people going and taking advantage of things in politics? absolutely they always do right so let's
2: just you know bring it back to the substance of the conversation and we can discuss the green belt or we can discuss the merits of why we need to do things like this while separating it from the process and again like i said at the beginning and i hope we all agree the people that have been named by the auditor general or beyond we will see what they do i'm very happy that um former minister clark has resigned to allow himself to go through this process, not carry along the Ministry of Housing with him. And then we will see what happens uh, after that.
1: Why do you think the Premier and Minister Clark were defined on Wednesday and Thursday after the ethics report came out? So that was the second report saying that, hey, something went wrong here. And then Monday, Steve Clark says, you know what, I'm going to go. What do you think changed in that, you know, four-day time? Between
2: the the time frame? Yeah. Well, I think... quite frankly, what I could tell you is that the business of government in terms of understanding, I mean, it's not just about deciding to resign. It's all about, it's also about deciding who's going to replace that person. It's also about, you know, essentially conducting the business of government in a responsible manner. I think that, you know, for example, if we would have had a resignation from the ministry of Trans- or minister of transportation in the winter of the, fed- the federal government, yes. um, while we had the debacle at our airports, I would not have minded if it had taken six or seven days for that to happen, as long as it would have happened. But there was no accountability at all. So. It's, it's, How about I'm the happening. minister of heritage
1: for Bill C18. Maybe we can get <laughs> hey,
2: Although he's already out of there. Hey, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run out of fingers <laughs> if we go yeah. if we go through this, Greg. Uh, but that that's the point. The fact that it happened in four days. Obviously, the be- the government's going to use beneficial timing, and God bless them. Why wouldn't they uh, uh, to do it on on a Monday? But we're going to be now. We have new ministers in there with a new mandate, and they're going to be conducting. Now we'll be able to judge them, and that's the the beauty of a democracy. We'll be able to to judge them during the process and after the fact. But uh, you know, the fact that it took a few days. I, I don't. Really they might. Uh,
1: so, last thing on this, then we'll move on to uh, some federal polling stuff that I wanted to take a look at. Uh, I, I look at the housing conversation here that we're having provincially, and, and absolutely, we, we, we definitely need to be doing more housing. Now, we've seen some mayors uh, come out and say, "Hey, no, we can we can handle this without the green belt. We can handle our housing targets without doing anything within the green belt." And I'm wondering if that thought process is going to wind up carrying the day here. Do we think that the lands that are currently being identified as spots where we're going to see development in the Green Belt, do we think that there's actually going to be homes built there? Or do you think that this whole mess is going to derail the entire thought process?
2: Uh, I think that there will. um, I think during the process, um, or sorry, after the process is done, that Paul Calandra articulated, the new minister articulated, I believe it was yesterday or maybe the day before, I believe that we will see development on parts of those lands in a responsible way. And again, we're not talking about building a strip mall in the middle of, uh, you know, right beside a beautiful river, or right. chopping down a ton of trees. We're talking about lands adjacent to the greenbelt or on the edges that would make more sense for other purposes. I absolutely think that's the case. But to your point, Craig, we have mayors and counselors saying that, well, we don't need the green belt to do this. Okay, great. We'll prove it. Here Let's in the city of London. Do it in town. Though. Right. The same people that, that are having problems. And again, not everybody, of course, but a lot of you know people that would hold themselves in high uh, political esteem. These are the same people criticizing the green belt development. And they're the ones that also said, no, we can't build around Victoria Park. We can't build at 183 King Street. We can't build uh between london and kamoka we can't build you know east of Kremlin road we can't build south so it's like what is it the land that we're standing on right now in downtown london this used to be great you know uh agriculture land i mean we need to either we can you know have the people that we're going to have here and welcome as many ontarians and canadians as possible and provide homes and services for them or we don't but we have to make a decision it can't be one or the other
0: yeah so I mean, I'm just curious, first of all, for the Greenbelt issues, whether um, seeing as this all started to happen October 2022, which is fast if you Mm -hmm. consider what are the environmental impact assessments? What happened with that? How did they decide which lands were going to replace those ones? Obviously, they're trying to do some kind of biodiversity offsets from what I know from biodiversity offsets, because I've done a lot of work in them. They failed. Usually they do not work. They don't bring in the same quality of land. So I just want to know what kind of land it is. And even if it's on the fringe, that's going to create new border effects into the next area. And once that land is gone, or if they're going to need more roads to get into it, or they decide they're going to need more highways or freeways, which would be ridiculous. But let's say they're going to need that. Well, it's just going to keep on expanding. And we're going to be taking away valuable land that we are going to need to still feed our citizens if our population is growing if we are welcoming lots of immigrants we're still going to need all that access to land as for doing it in the cities i say yes like i would be more than happy to increase the density in the city build build up build everywhere like this is a great area that if we should be really changing our urban planning that we have right now Uh, The way we've got it is so separate. We don't have people connected well. You know, if we make it denser, we can also revitalize our core that is falling apart. So, yeah, I mean, we have all this land, it's available, build on it lots uh, and try to save our agricultural land because we are going to need it.
1: And and, and that's the thing you you mentioned sort of, and there are definitely people of that political constituency of, hey, we shouldn't build anything anywhere. Uh, I'm of the belief that we should build tons of stuff Within walking distance of where we're standing right now. Absolutely. That, that's that's that, that's that's what I want to see. Like the stuff around Victoria Park. Yeah, build it. One eighty three King. That was a debacle. And does does Southside still own that property?
2: <laughs> I believe so. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. why? Like you know, Vito's someone who actually builds stuff. Yeah. Like exactly. it, like when Vito comes to you and says, "Oh, I want to build something," like.
2: Right. I, I, I
1: believe him. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people in the city who come to you and say, I want to build right. something, and they don't necessarily do it. Right. Veto doesn't. Yeah. And he'll tell you the yeah. time
2: it'll be done and yeah. the price it is, and he'll return the money. You know, yeah. it's, it's 100%. We have to, you know, this is the type of thing that, uh, that is so frustrating because, again, none of us in this room are, are Johnny come lately on this file or, or any of the files, especially in London. Um, so we've been seeing this conversation for 10 years. Carol, I love what you're saying. We agree 100% agree on this. But the people that have actually been elected on that message for the last 10 years in the city of London didn't do it. They didn't, yeah. they didn't succeed in making that happen. And quite frankly, when push came to shove, they backed down and said, no, we're not going to do it. You know? yeah. And, and that, is the, that is the offensive part for me, where there's no yeah. credibility uh, for people like that anymore. And again, going into I guess the next topic, which we'll get to, is this is why you're seeing especially young people, in my opinion, moving away from these same voices that have been around for a long right. time because they they're like, yeah, you, I was eight years old and you were saying the same thing. Now I'm 18, I can actually vote. You know, what, yeah. you know, prove it. What have you done? So.
1: Let's let's talk about that because we've got some federal polling data and consistent federal polling data that's showing 10, 11. 12 point lead for the conservatives and not only that but when you break it down like voters born 1995 and later the conservatives are winning in that and the liberals in a lot of cases are running third there it's going conservative new democrat liberal that obviously is a recipe if that holds the liberals are just done that's it that's that's the end of the road for the trudeau government does, do we think that holds, Steve? Like when you when we see and, and Nathan, I think Nathan's right about why that's happening. It's the housing issue. It's how much it costs to rent. It's how much it costs to move out of your parents' house, and people are getting frustrated by that.
3: You know, I'm not going to disagree, although I don't think that the PCs are the answer. Sorry to say <laughs> that, and and the company that I'm in, um, but you know, for me. You know, I'm not saying the Liberals are the answer either, you know, and then I'm not, you know, you know, obviously, of course, I'm supposed to bleed orange. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I think that I think we need a new type of leadership because I'm not necessarily in in favor of. Again, someone has to be actually likable with regards to the PC. And and I don't think they have anyone, in my opinion, that is a likable candidate. Um, I I just I, I can't support. That individual, he just isn't likable in, in, in my terms. Mm. Trudeau's not done himself any favors, and and absolutely, there's so many different areas. That, you know, as Nathan's brought up already, you know, like being accountable is huge, and and I haven't seen a whole lot of political people show accountability in any way, shape, or form, and and that bothers me. And and again, you know, we expect it of everybody else in the world. Why why are political people for some reason immune to being accountable for their actions or or their leadership you say one thing one day and then the next day you do something totally different or or you know again the green belt like there's so many different areas you know housing healthcare you know again the list goes on so i you know i'm i'm very concerned with the leadership that we have and and whether any of like a- again we just keep repeating the same shit oh sorry no it's okay <laughs> I'm allowed to say that on this you one. CBSC can't do anything <laughs> here. Sh- Cheryl's a regular on the show. You know that. Right? So I, I just don't see anyth- anything that's changed. Uh, here's what I'll say, what, what you mentioned about Polyev as
1: far as how likable he is. Uh, the numbers would tell you this. He's in the black as far as net likables for the first time since he's become... Conservative Party leader. Yeah, I know. Uh, Again, that's just a recent thing. Who knows whether it's the case in the, I suspect, fall of 2025,
0: the next time we do this. Like, I don't, I would be surprised Mm. we did it much earlier. You think earlier than that? I think it's going to be earlier. I agree. I I absolutely think it's going to be earlier. The thing is, there is no way that Trudeau can run again. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. I mean, they will lose. So they're going to have to get somebody else. So how are they going to do this and switch it? But honestly, who this is just what, you know, talking politics all summer with my family. The way I feel is that whoever runs next for the Liberals is a sacrifice. The Liberals are not winning again. A Kim
1: Campbell type of situation. Exactly.
0: That's yeah. how I called it. Kim Campbell just thrown under the bus. And um, they know that that's going to happen because the way it's worked when there was the Kim Campbell situation or, you know the last time when Harper 2015 and Trudeau came to power and was a huge wash, it's only because people got so fed up, they flipped. And it wasn't necessarily the party that they supported, they were just so sick and tired of what was there. Yeah. So, I will yeah. say
1: this, there was a time when people thought that Kathleen Wynne was gonna be a Kim Campbell situation. And yeah. that is not how it went. Well, uh, now that said, I, the, the hold that has been dug, I think, by Trudeau might be bigger than even yeah. what Dalton McGinty dug, we'll see, but weird stuff happens in these campaigns.
2: Well, I, I agree. I think I would be. I am preparing for an election in the spring of next year. Not spring thought. of twenty four. I believe it. That's would what be. I, yeah, I, too. I think. Yeah, I think it'll probably be like a. May well, if it if
1: it, it has to be Trudeau, then they can't change leaders well, between and, now and then.
2: And I agree with that. I, I understand what Carol's saying, but I will say the difference between um, you know a John Turner or a Kim Campbell and right now is that the liberal party constitution has been rewritten in, yeah. in the face of, of Trudeau when he was first elected. Yeah. So unless there are some courageous liberals, um, don't laugh at home, I know you're laughing, unless there are some <laughs> courageous liberals willing to step up and say, actually I want to you know, set my sights on the king here and take him down and replace him, um, he's going to be there because I don't think, you know... You, you, you don't think he
1: himself will say this is a losing effort and I, I spare himself what looks to be a bad loss right I'm now.
2: sure he can make that decision. I would say that today I cannot see him having made that decision or in, even thinking about it. You know, as a prime minister, I think he is, is just trying to conduct uh, the affairs of government. I don't think he's thinking about leaving. And quite frankly, I don't think if any of us ever found ourselves in prime minister... Um, and no matter how unpopular we are, um, I'm not sure we would think about it. Steve's grinning and, and, and nodding. At least I got your support on that one. Absolutely. But the truth is, I, I do think he would go um, into the next election, especially with the Quebec considerations. Like, there's nobody else as popular. It's, well, it's really an interesting. Um, here's United. a conversation I had on Twitter with a few people when I
1: because I, I tweeted out, "Do you think the Liberals would be more or less likely to form government, or equally likely to form government?" Uh, in the next election if Anita Anand was their leader rather than Justin Trudeau. And I think Anita Anand would probably be the most
2: capable person to have in the caucus.
1: But how much of Quebec are you just writing off if you do
2: that? Well, it, it, Quebec would be a big one, but also the rest of the country. They just wouldn't know her. We do because right. we're on Twitter and we see this and we yeah. you know, have nothing better to do. <laughs> Other people <laughs> uh, don't do that. They would go, "Who? who is this? I've never heard yeah. of her. You know, we, we would There's no that one
1: would. else. That they're, they're, if it's not... Trudeau though, there's no one else anyone's heard of.
2: Right, exactly. So I, I I do expect personally, or at least I'm preparing. I would be preparing to have Trudeau be the face of the Liberal campaign going into the next campaign. I do agree though that it would be uh, likely in the spring, um, if not the you know again it could be pushed off. But I, I would say I would say mm-hmm. the spring is 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 likely, or in my opinion. I'm predicting the spring, put it that way. But I think more importantly, what we're seeing right now, there's the the conservative convention right now in Quebec City. Um, It's going particularly well, a little bit of a rebrand effort from some of the holdover, the logo and the the color blue and all this kind of new energy stuff that all parties kind of go through, especially when they have a new leader or going into a new election, um, something like that they're engaging in. But it's a the, the biggest thing that I think is going under said with Pierre, whether or not you like him, whether you like him or dislike him, um, is that his campaign right now as leader of the Conservative Party pursuing government, n- he's, number one, focusing his efforts as opposition leader. He knows I'm opposition leader. That's what we do here. I don't have to come up with my – I don't have to present my platform just yet. I will when everybody else does. But more importantly – what he's saying now is completely and absolutely consistent with what he was saying during his leadership campaign. There is a false narrative, and it happens on all sides of the political spectrum, where you have to go to one side during the, you know, uh, the primary or the leadership campaign, and then come back to the center uh, for the general. But what happens is people are smart, in my opinion, and they know when you're lying to them, and when you're when you're bsing them. So. Frankly, the same things he's talking about, bring it home and lower the price and ax the tax and all this stuff is the same things he was talking about during his leadership campaign.
1: I I agree with that to a point. For the most part, that is true. And to me, any conservative candidate who is talking about anything other than your rent slash mortgage payment slash whatever cost to buy your house is too high and it's too expensive for you at the grocery store, any conservative candidate is talking about anything other than that is doing themselves a disservice. So I get annoyed sometimes when I see stuff like, well, look at this thing from the World Economic Forum and that kind of weirdo stuff. Like, I know who you're trying to appeal to. I get it. You're trying to get some of the purple voters on side. I understand that. I just think that if you focus on how affordable life is or is not, in this case, for Canadians, and that's all you talk about, that's that's really all you should be discussing.
2: Can I ask you a question? How many, yeah. how many NDP voters off of Bridges Street and Wavell do you think... Also have concerns about the world economic, a, economic world economic forum? Forum. Oh, uh, not zero. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. The, the point is that I understand. I'm actually happy you brought this up, yeah. and I won't go crazy about this. Really, the key, the key message that is being received when that is being discussed, and again, the proof is in the polling numbers at this point. Yeah. Is are you as my elected official more concerned with me and? fellow citizens who had the opportunity to vote for you Mm -hmm. or are you more concerned with pandering to other leaders around the world to drive a consistent uh, platform and an agenda um, To make everybody else happy. Do you know where you came from or did you forget where you came from? And that is really the fundamental message for the people that are not You know thinking about the World Economic Forum or the People's Party type voters from a daily basis and I think because again I've knocked on doors at all parts of the city, and frankly, for you know, liberals and conservatives, especially when my dad was, was a liberal. And when I would hear these things before they were cool or on the front burner, it was coming from people on the left wing yes. bringing these issues up. And I never understood them at that time. I was young and, and never really got that. But there's a lot of people that definitely find a consistent and, and have found a populist home on the left um, that are, are moving right um, based on some of those consistencies. So I just don't think I, it's I, I- inconsistent with the platform.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's inconsistent. I just think, like, why talk about anything else? Cause, and, and here's here's going to happen, and, and this is what I'd be spending nights worrying about, is if, if we are doing an election in the spring of 2024, do you have some Saskatchewan MP that gets up one night and says, you know what, at a, a debate or something, when I'm, when I'm an MP, I'm going to put out this thing about abortion. And does that just hijack your campaign for two weeks? That's, and, and Stephen Harper was really good at controlling that stuff. Is Pierre Polyev going to be good at controlling that stuff? And that, that's going to be one of the questions we answer on the campaign trail. We won't know until it's actually happening. But that, to me, is the only thing we have left to decide here. Because the conservatives will only not win this campaign if the conservatives lose it for themselves.
3: Yep. Affordability is the biggest that's issue. It. That's it. That's
1: all that anyone should be discussing. Is affordability if if you're if you're going off that path i think you are doing yourself a disservice right
3: well we'll see yeah.
2: what the i, I know th- there certainly isn't an election tomorrow a million no. different things can happen as they have you know before the pandemic doug ford was like polling what you know eight points behind the liberals i think yep. at the time or something like that and then things change of course but yep. uh i know that there's more energy i'm 31 years old and i've been in politics too long uh, already. Um, But I know that from my friends that are my age that were 12 years old when I was, you know, talking about these things back then, I've never had more people ask me about how to get involved or or what they need to do and um, talk about that. Carol, like I think you understand that from being a candidate. Like some campaigns, you get people energetic and are, you know, like, what can I do to help you? I'll do anything. And then other days, you're alone knocking on doors (laughs) in a neighborhood and you're like, what am I even doing here? And I've got, you know, 90 minutes left. So, you know, it's definitely... Uh, higher end of of the the blue wave here, anyways, and we'll we'll see what happens next. Can
0: I just say one thing? Of course, because we talked about affordability, which absolutely should be a top issue. But I also think, and we should not forget, that the climate change has got mm-hmm. to be a top issue, especially after what we saw this summer. Because for a lot of Canadians. A lot of people who had to be evacuated from their homes, lost their homes, lost their lives. The flooding that happened over in Nova Scotia, if, you know, the Blues want to be smart about it, they need to come up with a better plan because there are going to be a lot, they get a lot of support out in the West. There is a lot of support for the Blues out in the West, but they have got to recognize that this is massively affecting people in a huge way, not only just losing their lives, and their homes, but you know, there's the health effects and the loss of business, the huge cost with insurance. So, um, you know, then it ties into the affordability issue. So it is still got to be there. And and I really hope it doesn't get swept under the rug because they were showing the polls of the top issues right now. And of course, housing and affordability was number one, and they were showing how everything had moved and uh, climate had gone down. And I thought, how in the world is that possible after the summer we have just had? I,
1: th- I, mm-hmm. I, I understand it, though, from the perspective of, you know, groceries are expensive, and rent's expensive, yeah. and you can't buy. Like, I I, I get why that is uh, that overwhelms everything else. I well, do. You,
2: but you know what, and I would say, Carol, that, you know, again, being a, a former candidate, and perhaps your f- mm-hmm. future candidate yourself, um, I think you're going to be going to the doors if you are a candidate next time. And I think you're going to have people talk to you. The same people have said to you before, Carol, I love you. I'm going to vote liberal this time. You know, I just can't vote for your party. I need to give it uh, for my party. Those same people. I think there's, in other words, there's going to be a huge opportunity for the Green Party moving forward. Because there's going to be people that are going to, again, at the ballot box, hold their their, uh, MP accountable. Said, I've given you my vote, 2015. Uh, 2019, in 2019 2020, 2021. 2021 and what have you done? you've been there you can complain about the conservatives absolutely. Yeah. but there's a contrast in approach obviously mm-hmm. with um, the climate change it's... there. you know for example, one place where we will differ of course is on fundamentally uh, developing uh, the oil sands mm-hmm. um, in Canada of course. right now we've just gone through a global pandemic. We understand that there's still um, we understand the consequences of not having domestic supply chains and things being manufactured. At home, we also understand that there's still a global market um, for oil. The conservative approach is going to be to make, to the extent that there's going to be a market for oil and energy in the world at all, we want as many drops of that to be from Canada as possible. Because if it's not coming from Canada, it's going to be coming from coal plants in China or from oil rigs in, in Saudi and Iran, and that's not what we need to do. We need to under, we need to take care of our country and export that on the global stage. That's obviously a very different contrast or a contrast between the conservative party and frankly, all yeah. others, yeah. but that's okay. And I think other people are gonna look at that and say, hey, you know what? I st- Some people that still disagree with the conservative approach are going to say, okay, I disagree with that, but I'm not going to go vote for a fourth time for the same party right. that hasn't done enough. And, on and the, the other situation. thing, to
1: your point earlier, so let's just say it's you or whoever it is knocking on doors for the Green Party in London North Centre, Carol. Uh, I'm sure you heard at the door many times. Well, you know, I just we can't have the Conservatives get in in this yeah. riding. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I would vote for you, but you know what? I'm, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to vote for the Liberals instead. I think there's going to be a lot of people who say, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to vote for you this time.
0: I hope so because yeah. they made a promise in 2015 that yeah. they broke, and it makes me so angry and how many times have Peter and I had this conversation because it's something we fundamentally disagree on except for that short time when he had to change his tune because (laughs) Trudeau changed his tune and then he's right back to no we are not having electoral reform Um, it's going to bite them. I've said this many times, the liberals are going to wish that they had actually kept their promise in 2015 because... That was always
1: going to be... At at some
2: point, that was always going to come back to bite them and this may be the point. The idea that you're getting at is the bottom falling out. Do people start to look and say, the conservatives are ahead by so much, you know what? Uh, the bottom's falling. Up. I, I am I, the bo- I am the base of the yeah. Liberal Party. Again. I'm going to vote for the NDP this exactly time because exactly. I, I
1: don't. Know. Last time I didn't do it, but this time I will because whatever the Conservatives right. winning anyway. So yeah. I'm voting for the NDP. It's I'm happened for before. The it's yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. happened before cool. and yeah. recently. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, last thing before we go, we don't have a ton of time here before we wrap this up. Uh, it looks like the Workplace Safety Insurance Board that is coming to London, and this is something that uh, uh, Monty McNaughton's been talking about for a long time, and and he has delivered, and good for Monty. Uh, they are coming to London, but it looks like they're going to be out East End, near Vengeance Memorial Parkway. That is not what some people in the city of London wanted to hear. They wanted them the downtown core. However, downtown core has its share of problems. Steve, when you heard about that news, were you disappointed by that? Do you do you wish they were downtown, or do you do you think it makes sense for them to be out in the West End?
3: Well, I mean, I'm going to highlight my viewpoints on this, which are. You know, we, it's good enough to bring in a lot of our staff in full time in the downtown core, and that was a big issue with council. Yep. And yet you couldn't bring in a business that would have potentially brought in a lot more bodies. A lot more bodies, So yeah. do I feel it's an inconsistent approach? Yes. I
1: Absolutely. think council wanted them to be in the core, and the province said, we're not doing that. That's, that's that's my read of the green, but someone who, uh, who may have been there can correct me on that. Carol, what do you think?
0: I, I'm just hugely disappointed that it's out on the side there. We really needed more people in the center because when you have all those people that are coming into the downtown, it's going to help with all sorts of businesses. It will help with the restaurants. It, it's just, at the moment, we're just going to see a collapse of our core if we don't start bringing more people into the center. And this is, again, just going to create a whole division of our city Um, it's more reliance on cars and you know people are annoyed with the transportation that's probably not going to keep up so yeah it's a bit of a mess.
1: I'll say this and there's a lot of people who were annoyed today if I were uh, if I were someone who works at uh, Old Oak or someone who works at York Developments I'd be a little bit annoyed because we're building some skyscrapers here and it would be real neat if there's another big-time employer that could uh, where where people might want to live in those skyscrapers. Nathan what do you think of that story?
2: Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm not sure the decision has been absolutely yes, made Yes, it may not yet. be in stone. Uh, yeah, but fair. if it was, and again, I'm, I'm, I am I believe... This is London Free Press reporting, I right. want to say And to I believe yep. East London, so I'm pretty happy that yeah. it <laughs> will be in East London to the extent uh, that it goes anywhere. Um, I think it would be great for, for the east side of the city, especially right off the 401 there. Um, yeah. and I, I think understand it, it from the province perspective entirely. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that would be the point, is, you know, if I was there, and again, let's assume this decision has, has been made. Right. I think that they don't have a lot of confidence in the success of our downtown core right now, and quite frankly, I don't think many people, even those who are strong champions of the core, including myself, I don't think that they blame them. As you said, Craig, um, we have a. We're, this is a real crisis in the downtown core. We could, you know, there's a lot of crises that we talk about. This is a significant one, and I think that they have, if they had a lot of faith in uh, our city council if they had faith in our local members of provincial parliament, I think if they had faith in the future path that had been charted out by our city, then they would be a little bit more inclined to support it by coming to the core. Um, But evidently they don't, or if if this is the case that it's gonna go to the old 3M building in the east uh, side, or the newer 3M building, um, then I don't think that they have that confidence. And I frankly don't blame them. We talk about so often, forever, Government does not create jobs. It creates the conditions for jobs. Well, government's not creating the conditions for jobs when you have a lot of safety issues and a lot of, um, you know, frankly, uncertainty and, you know, a lot of these things that we're seeing in the downtown. It's not just you know, trying to bring new businesses to the core. It's also about, as you say, Steve, apprehensions, rightful apprehensions from people that already work in the downtown core saying, I could do my job from home. I don't want to go downtown and pay X number of dollars for parking and get accosted by somebody on the side of the road. I could do it from home. And by the way, if I don't do it here, I'll go work for another company that'll pay me five bucks an hour more. And um, you know, I could do that. So. You know, I think that this should be, you know, how many more wake up calls do we need in London about our downtown core? This is absolutely something um, um, that, that, that should really raise some eyebrows.
1: Yeah, and, and so, to, to Steve's point, uh, when we have a situation where the downtown business association is writing letters saying, hey, we want to bring back a few dozen planning employees because of our restaurants and we need them for our restaurants, which like, let's be honest here, that's not like, you know, a lot of people bring their lunch from home. Uh, I don't understand, like, you know, if, if that's a big enough empl- uh, a problem that we're going to bring back planning department employees because of that, and we're not finding a way to bring WSIB downtown, uh, that's, you know, again, I'm sure that's what ca- right. that members of council wanted to do. But it just, it, it, it seems so.
2: Well, everybody it has a role silly. here. And yeah. for, to your point, the Downtown Business Association has a role to sure. advocate for of its course. members. And right. it's true that when you have, I believe at, at Canada Life, you've got 10, 15% of the people that are supposed to be working, if they were to all work there yeah. like five days a week. 10 or 15% of them are doing that or it's like everybody's working there one or two dot Yeah, I think right now they're weeks.
1: like two, two in, three out, I Something think for like most that. Candle so, Life employees as far as course. I know. Of course. So for
2: yeah. the business association to advocate on behalf of its members, I think that's reasonable. But of course, that's just, that's their role. That's what they're going yeah. to do. But um, of course people would want, if we're going to be bringing WSIB to London, uh, ideally it would be in the downtown core for everybody's sake. We don't have the conditions for that type of position right now. And WSIB, uh, if they're making the choice to go to that uh, building or making the ch- the yep. choice with both eyes wide open. And to and be fair clear, enough.
1: I'm sure a lot of those WSIB employees, part of their jobs will be to drive to Windsor or to Kitchener or to wherever in a day. If the office is at Veterans Royal Parkway, it's a little bit easier. Right. So I, I, there's there's that part of it, too. And that, that you're not going to change. The 401 isn't coming downtown no matter what you do. Uh, but that's, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it, where it winds up. But again, that's a lot of free press reporting that it looks as though it's going to be at Veterans Royal Parkway in the old 3M building. Uh, that's all the time we've got. So thank you very much to uh, Nathan and to Steve and to Carol for coming in and having a good conversation with us this week. As always, uh, really appreciative of everyone who downloads and listens to and subscribes to and rates and reviews the Craig News podcast. We appreciate those. And of course, you can find us at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.